The truths that uh, we share are just simply things that over the years God has taught us and that has changed our lives. I don't believe it'll do any different for you. So we're going to share some things tonight. Um, We've been taking these sessions. When did we start? October? September September last year. We've been taking these sessions. I think we've got a little ring, maybe a little feedback if you can hear that. Uh, We've been just simply uh, laying, you know, ministering on some basic truths that that are really foundational for what the church that uh, we minister at in Cedar Rapids is founded on. You know, the Bible is, 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 there's so much in the Word of God to share, but there's so much that, you know, there, there's some basic foundations that, you know, sort of everything springs off of. And we've shared on uh, so many things over the months. But I had one in my heart this afternoon, really this morning when I woke up, that I really want to spend some time on. And uh, it's, let's start in Ephesians chapter number 6, if you brought your Bible tonight. And uh, we'll, we, we'll just jump right into this. We are so thankful for the word. The Bible said you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Make you free. Amen. You're not free because you're an American. You're free because you got the truth on the inside of you. Amen. Ephesians 6 verses, uh, well, you know, I, I'll tell you what, I won't read all of these but just for time's sake, but you, you know this scripture probably, at least to some degree. It's in the, uh, we'll start in the 10th verse of Ephesians chapter number 6, and refer to some of the verses that follow. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. He's wrapping up the writing by the Spirit of God. Paul's writing by the Spirit of God. And he said, uh, here's some things I want to say before we, before we close. And he said, um, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Never said anything in the Bible about being strong in yourself. You know, with just grit or willpower or something like that. No, we're strong in the Lord. Amen. There's a story years ago of a man who was, uh, they were, you know, and they were, they were doing a lot of experimenting with the old dirigibles. You know, I guess another way is, air, what do they call those inflatable blimps? Yeah, that's the word we use today. But they were experimenting with them and there was a bunch of guys holding one down with ropes. And a gust of wind came up and caught it and, you know, lifted up in the air. And some of the guys dropped off real quick. And other guys were sort of holding on and got too high and dropped to their death. And women are, you know, you know, looking away and stuff. One guy, though, he's just holding on. Just, I mean, the thing kept going, keep going up and he's just holding on. Finally, they got it down somehow. And they said, how on earth did you hold on to that rope? He said, well, I realized I was too high. He said, I saw there was some rope below me. I just wrapped it around me and I just swung free. Yeah. Yeah. You, didn't, you know, you, you don't have the strength to hold on to a rope like that for very long. And so, but if you, and, and you don't have the strength to just with your wit and grit get through some things, but you can just wrap yourself in the promises of God and swing free. You're not strong in yourself. You're strong in the Lord. Strong in what he said, strong in his, his words, strong in the realities of who you are in Christ. So be strong, not in yourself, but in the Lord. And the second of all, you could say there, be strong in the Lord. The Lord and his word are one. So be strong in what the Lord said to you, what the word says to you. And then secondly, in the power of his might, that's the Holy Spirit. You know, there's no substitute for, um, because earlier in the book of Ephesians, in the fifth chapter, he said, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be continually filled. Yeah. 
with the Holy Spirit. King, King James says be filled, but the Greek says be continually filled. Amen. I, it's not enough to get one drink of the Holy Ghost. Be continually filled. So, uh, but, and then, uh, then here he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might or, or in the Holy Spirit. So uh, one of the keys to being strong in the Holy Spirit is be continually filled with the Spirit. And one of the keys to being strong in the Word is to be continually filled with the Word. Be full of the Word. The Bible says over in Colossians, it tells us there in, uh, what is that, the third chapter, I believe. He said, uh, uh, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then John said, 1 John 2, I'd have to look the verse up. I got it in my notes, but I don't want to look for it. <laughs> I think it's verse 14, but I could be wrong. 1 John 2, he says, I wrote to you, young men, because you are strong. And so he's saying they're strong. But he's not saying they're strong because, you know, young men are strong. They got muscles. That's not what he said. You're strong. And then he said, and the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. So they weren't strong because, you know, they got muscles or they, they go down to the gym three times a week. They're strong because they had the word in them. They were strong in the word. I mean, the devil punched them and the word came out. You're no match for the devil, but the word is Amen. the word, the truth. You'll know the truth and the truth will keep you free. So uh, uh, I, I might have fun tonight. So please bear with me if I get happy. All right. But be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. So now we see some more information about how to be strong. There's this armor that we have that we can put on. And he mentions all this armor. Uh, that, that we may be, be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. There is an enemy of our souls. And there is an adversary, the Bible calls him, walking about seeking whom he may devour. Yeah. He's the one that we have been delivered from. Yeah. We're not scared of him as believers if we've got the word in them because the word tells us about his defeat. Yeah. Uh, but so uh, people that talk about devils, 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 their focus is in the wrong place. Yeah. How about Jesus, 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 Jesus? How about he, he spoiled principalities and powers? These forces of darkness are defeated. They're under our feet. And we've been raised far above them. We shared that, I believe it was last, last month. But here he's talking about we need to be able to stand against these wiles or strategies or devices of the enemy. Because he is arrayed against us. He is, the Bible calls him our adversary. Just because he's defeated doesn't mean he doesn't exist anymore. He still exists as a defeated foe, but he will come against you in this life. Uh, that's not something to be scared about, but it is something to be sober about. Don't just kind of think, well, the devil's dead. No, he's, he's going about seeking whom he may devour. Seeking whom he may means there's something he comes up to that he may not. If I'm, looking, if I'm going down this row, I'm looking for somebody to beat up. Now, he's got too many muscles. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know. Oh, she's a lady. I'm not going to do it. To her. Oh, he's a young, you know. <laughs> the devil's looking for somebody. That means he comes up to some and he may not. Because they, they, they demonstrate their strength in the Lord. So uh, then he goes into the, talking about these evil forces. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Poke your neighbor and say, flesh and blood's not your problem. That just means people, human beings. 
uh, if you think flesh and blood is your problem, it's because your mind's not renewed yet. Wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers. He mentions these forces, these, these, these spiritual beings, talking about demonic forces, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. You may be able to stand or withstand in the evil day. That's the day he comes against you. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. And then he talks about this armor. Your loins girt about with truth. You're uh, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Feet shod at the preparation of the gospel of peace. Each one of these is a week of sermon, so you can't get into all of it. But above all, taking the shield of faith. I like that, above all. This one's really important. The shield of faith, wherewith you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The wicked one, in other words. Take the helmet of salvation. The helmet goes on the head, the mind. The mind needs to be renewed with the word of God. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so you can take the word of God, he said, then praying. Praying with all manner of prayer and supplication and so forth. Well, there's a whole lot there. But I just wanted you to see that he preceded his, his discussion of these evil forces He preceded it talking about being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And so uh, that's before all the rest he's getting ready to say. And then he said, having done all that, having put on all the armor, knowing these forces are arrayed against you and having put on all the armor and then being strong in the Lord, he said, then you're ready for prayer. Then you're ready for prayer. So... uh, you what we see then then the believer needs to be uh properly dressed for prayer there's god has provided us something to defend us going out in prayer dealing with these forces and uh praying things through praying the plan of god into the earth the Bible talks about uh, Jesus there whenever they ask him about prayer. He said, pray that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is not automatically done on earth because it's his will. He needs somebody down here to ask him. And you see that all through the scriptures in one way or another. We don't have time to get into all that. Uh, but the point is that uh, to go and deal with things and bring the will of God into the earth, the, the, Satan's going to oppose that. He's not going to just say, you know, congratulations, you're bringing the will of God to pass. He's, he's going to oppose that. And to be successful against him in dealing with these forces and so on, so forth, we have to be dressed properly. Right. Otherwise, we're not going to be strong. See, our strength's not in ourselves. Right. It's in him. And so uh, to be strong in the Lord, you have to be strong in the word. So when you, to be a person of prayer, a a successful prayer life, now anybody can pray, but you know, not everybody's successful. James 5 talks about the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Effectual means effective. I mean, you can pray for all, you know, 30 years and not be effective. If you ask me, how long have you been praying? I said, 30 years. And I said, and and you said, how many, how many answers to prayer have you gotten? And I think, well, let's see, uh. I can't think of any. You wouldn't call me effective in prayer. Right. 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 Yeah. Amen. Amen. I want to be effective. Effective means getting answers, getting yes. results. Yes. Just hold on. We're getting to what we're getting to here tonight. But uh, so we want to be strong in the word to be effective in prayer. Jesus said that in John fifteen seven. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You'll ask what you will. And then you never can tell what God's going to do. Oh, I was reading out of somebody's 
uh, you know, doctrinal book. No, that's not what he said. You, you ask what you will, and it shall be done. Shall is always. In other words, you can have a prayer life that always gets the answer that you ask for. Now, I don't mean you're going to, I don't mean you can just say, well, I'm going to ask God for a thousand oil wells. But see, you've got to ask according to his will. And according to your faith. <laughs> I mean, you know, some people are asking for big and they can't even believe God for a pair of socks. Well, anyway, um, so, <laughs> so, but we need to learn how to be fruitful in prayer and to be prepared for what's going to come against us in prayer and be able to stand and not back down because of what comes against us. Because these things are arrayed against us. Doesn't make us afraid, makes us sober. And so uh, putting on this armor includes, notice here he, he mentioned the breastplate of righteousness. And that's one I want to spend some time on tonight. And, uh, and this one's really important because especially in prayer, the enemy is going to throw things at you. To, uh, he's going to throw condemnation at you. He's going to bring up past faults. Who do you think you are praying like this? You know you, you failed here, you failed there. Well, you're not worthy to stand before God. He doesn't accept you. And he'll bring up past failures from, set, from 1973, you know, he'll, if you let him. To try to undermine your sense of righteousness and ability to stand there in the presence of God and, and plead your case and, and make your petition and receive from him. Uh, the Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace. All true prayer is done boldly. That doesn't mean cocky. It just means aware of your standing in his presence because of the word that's in you. Especially regarding righteousness. Especially regarding righteousness. And so I want to spend some time on this because it came up in my heart and, uh, these things uh, are very, very important. Um, Paul says to be strong in the Lord. That means in strong in the word and, and what he said to us. And uh, that would include the revelation and not being swayed from the revelation because of the forces of darkness that come against you. And so uh, notice these armors. If you read down through there in Ephesians, these pieces of armor, he would say, uh, he, he, he's got them listed here. He said, uh, take up the shield of faith. King James says take, or other translations say take up. And then it says things like put on and uh, take unto yourself. A lot of these things are truth or they are reality for the believer, but the believer has to take hold of them and use them. The devil's not opposing you. So he's not opposing. This might sound like, sound like bad doctrine at first, but you just hear me out what I'm saying. He's not opposing the truth of God's word as much as he's opposing your revelation of it and your use of it. Do you know what I mean by that? The truth is the truth. He can't change what the word says. But he will try to change you getting a hold of it. You getting revelation of it and you using it in prayer, in life, against the, the, the strongholds of the enemy, against the, uh, the things that attack your mind, against the feelings of your flesh, 
Because your flesh has feelings about how worthy you are. Or let me rephrase that. How unworthy you are. <laughs> that doesn't make you unworthy. But I'm saying your flesh has feelings of unworthiness. And that's why it says in Hebrews to not only, be, not only have our conscience purged, but our bodies wash with pure water. That word, water of the word can wash your body of all the feelings of unworthiness. Man, you can feel totally guilty and unworthy and the blood of Jesus is because you've already confessed it and the blood has already cleansed you of it but the feelings are still there but now you got to take the word take the breastplate of righteousness and use it take it up and and use it against those feelings and against the voice the accusing voice of the enemy amen And so uh, it's not the Bible facts about your standing at the throne uh, that Satan opposes. It's your revelation of it and your use of it. And so that's really, if you study the scriptures carefully, people talk about spiritual warfare. That's what spiritual warfare is all about. These evil forces have strategies. They have weapons. And uh, they, they bring lies, deception. And they bring things to get people to let go of the truth of God's word. In other words, lay it down. Lay down the truth of God's word and take into their mind or their thought life what the enemy is saying about them. The Bible said the weapons of, you know, 2 Corinthians 4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing in captivity every thought. See, he mentioned strongholds, imaginations, and thoughts. People get occupied with the strongholds in the heavenlies. I'm not saying they're not there. But but if you keep reading, he mentions imaginations and thoughts. So really, these strongholds, just like imaginations and thoughts, are between the ears. It's wrong thinking. Including about how worthy we are through the blood. Not Not our righteousness, but through the blood. The blood is saying something right now at the throne of grace. The Bible said the blood speaks better things than that of Abel's. So the blood is talking. It's talking to God. And it's really talking to you if you're listening. It's saying, you know, because, okay, take, take what he said. It's speaking better things than that of Abel's. It's speaking, the blood of Jesus is speaking better things than that of Abel's blood. Talking about Hebrews. Yeah. You know, talks about this. What did Abel's blood say? Remember whenever yeah. Cain killed Abel? Yes. Uh, uh, the Bible said that uh, God came on the scene. He said, where's your brother? You know, I'm not my brother's keeper. And then he said, well, your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Yeah. Well, it was saying something to God. What was it saying? Well, we know it was an injustice that had been done. Cain had, been, uh, had killed Abel uh, unjustly. Yeah. So that blood was saying an injustice has been done. Yeah. A wrong has been done. It was saying guilty. Yep. Yes. Cain, Cain, it was saying Cain is guilty. Yes. Yeah, that's right. But Jesus' blood is saying something better than that. Yes. Jesus' blood, yes. which Jesus, when he died, he had took his blood into the heavenly holy of holies and put it before God. And it's there, Hebrews says, it's there now speaking just like Abel's blood was speaking from the ground. Blood speaks. (laughs) 
So that blood at the throne of grace is saying something. It's saying something better than Abel's blood. Abel's blood said guilty. Uh, justice needs to be done because an injustice has been done. Jesus' blood is saying uh, forgiven, cleansed. It's saying righteous. It's saying righteous. Saying righteous. And it's saying the price for your sin has been paid. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And that blood talking is trying to get you to hear the message. It's trying, there's a message in the blood. And that blood wants you to get that message. And not only get that message, the message is righteousness. It wants you to get that message and it wants you to take up that message. And it wants you to say what that blood is saying. Because God wants you to agree with the blood. Don't agree with the accuser of the brethren. Agree with the blood. Well, somebody said, I did it. I'm guilty. Well, there's a, there's a verse for that. 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to, to, forgi- cleanse you, to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of all, all what? All unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. Okay, if, it's all, if all unrighteousness is gone, there's nothing left but righteousness. All unrighteousness is gone. Glory be to God. (laughs) Now go to the book of Revelation. Oh, I told you I'm going to get happy tonight. The book of Revelation tells us about this, uh, this back and forth between the accusing voice of the enemy and the blood. Revelation 12, verse number 11. They over, and I'm going to go back up here in a bit, but verse 11 first. They overcame him by what? The blood of the lamb. We know now that blood speaking of righteousness. When you come to God, there's no condemning voice coming out of heaven towards you. None. The devil will condemn you. But I said coming out of God, coming out of the blood, coming out of heaven. There's no condemning voice. And so here it says, uh, they overcame him. This is Satan, but we'll get more specific here in a bit. They overcame him or Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So what you say is important. You know, if you're on the stand, the witness stand being charged with some crime or something, remember they say, everything you say can and will be used against you. Well, when the blood's saying something, but the accuser of the brethren is saying something else, what you say can and will be used against you. The blood is a witness, the enemy is a witness, but neither God or the devil have two witnesses. And in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. It's not established until you agree with either the blood or the enemy. You establish it. What, what we say is established in our lives. Then he said, and uh, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. That's commitment, consecration. Okay, now here it says it overcame him. Who's him? Well, it's the devil. Uh, We know that. But let's back up to the previous verse and get a little bit more specific. This strategy is of the enemy against our prayer life, and we'll see that as well. But look at verse number 10. 
I heard a voice, excuse me, a loud voice saying in heaven, this is right before with the verse we just read, a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God. Hallelujah. How many of you know the kingdom of God is in us right now? And we're in the kingdom. And the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren, underline that, the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Okay, so we, we, then we read verse 7, they overcame him, or verse 11, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Him is, yes, the enemy. We read that from previous verses. He's called Satan and so forth and Lucifer. But, but, but here he's getting more specific. Satan, Satan he's talking about, this, this element of Satan is the accusations he brings. Yes. Satan is an accuser. How many of you know we as the body of Christ have no right to side in with the enemy against our brother when it comes to ac- the accusations of the enemy. Right, right. I love something years ago, Oral Roberts said he was a, there had been some ministers that had come out into the news all over that some ministers had sinned and so forth. And, uh, you know, sin is wrong. We understand that. But they came to Oral Roberts, stuck a microphone in his face and said, what do you think about it? He said, that's a family matter. We keep that in the family. Yeah. Right. In other words, getting on TV and saying, well, you know, bless God. I don't know why he did that. No, let's let's help restore one another. Amen. Amen. I'm not saying sin's right, but, but, I mean, thank God for the blood of Jesus. And besides that, who among us is worthy of throwing the first stone? I heard one minister one time, he said, well, he said, all the rest of us would have done it if we had a chance. We just didn't get the chance. (laughs) He wasn't saying that it was right. Anyway, some of you are looking at me funny. But I'm, not, I'm not saying, you know, giving anybody a license to sin. In fact, I've been pastoring a long time. People don't need a license to sin. They just go do it anyway. <laughs> but I'm just simply saying we ought to be restoring people. Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. Somebody said, I don't know why we do that, why we don't do that, why we don't restore. Well, the answer is in that verse. If we were spiritual, we would. So they overcame him, the accuser of the brethren. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They overcame the accusations. Notice, who accused them before our God night and day. I missed that for years. That before our God is a reference to when you become before God. Did you see that? Before our God. When you come before God, in other words, in prayer. When you come to God in prayer, someone else goes with you. Amen. The accuser of the brethren is going with you. I didn't say you invited him. I said he invited himself. (laughs) He'll just come and he'll say, well, you know, you remember what you did last week. You know how you didn't treat your husband right last week or your wife right last week. You know, who do you think you can come here and pray and and, and make power available to the nation and and things are changed? he'll, He'll try to accuse you what, what's his goal to undermine yes. your faith yes. Yes. he doesn't want you to be there bold making your petition yes. he doesn't like right. he doesn't like people taking their stand before God knowing their righteousness because God connects fruitful and successful and effective prayer to knowing your righteousness in the Bible James five sixteen, and you know uh, the, the prayer, King James says, the prayer of a righteous man avails much. 
King James says, avails much. Amplified says, makes tremendous power available. Righteousness is connected to prayer. The Bible said the heathen pray and they think they'll be heard for their much speaking. Well, just because you think so doesn't make it so. But righteousness praying, righteousness prays a total different way than, than and guilty folks pray. Righteousness, now not just righteousness, but when you're established in the knowledge and the revelation of your righteousness, which we're going to look at here before we go, uh, then you come to God a different way. You don't come all beat down and, you know, saying, woe is me and I'm so unworthy to come into your presence. I came up under, went to Rainbow Bible Training Center, came up under Kenneth Hagin Ministries ministry. And he said he had a vision one time and he, for the first time he looked straight into the eyes of Jesus. And he said when he did, they were just liquid. He said it was like, somebody asked him what they looked like. And he said they were like liquid wells or pools of love. It seemed like they were two miles deep. And he said he fell at his feet. Put his hands on Jesus' feet. He said there were you know, those holes there. Put his face on his hands. He's, he's bowed before Jesus. And he said, oh Lord. He said, no one as unworthy as I should ever look upon your face. And Jesus wasn't impressed with his humility. You know what I mean by that? That sounds humble, but Jesus said, stand up. Or he said, he said his, Brother Hagin said, he said it kind of straight. Stand up right on your feet. In other words, Jesus was not, he didn't like that. And he said, he put his finger in his face and said, you are worthy because my blood has cleansed you of all your sin. <laughs> my, how much a difference that makes in the presence of God. How bold that makes you in the presence of God. And that's the way God wants us to come. Uh, boldness pleases him. Because boldness is faith. Not cocky, not arrogant, not like, you know, I'm going to lord it over God. Uh, but, but, but just confident about the standing that you have before Him. You know, in our nation, we have courts of law that, that uh, you have to have, to, to come before a court of law and present a case or, or whatever, you have to have what they call standing. That just simply means you've got to be able to have, you've got to have a case. In other words, you have to have been wronged, but not just that, you have to have, you have to be able to bring law, what does the law say, that, that, that really gives you a case to be righted of the wrong you were done, that was done to you. Does that make sense? That's what it means to have standing. If there's no law on the books, you know, <laughs> let's take, for example, let's say I passed you on the street and I went. Well, I don't know of any, maybe there are, but I don't know of any law that I broke. And you can try to sue me, but they might say, there's no, kid, there's no law on the books. Maybe there is, I don't know, but I'm just saying, trying to make something up, right? Are you still here tonight? And so they'll throw that out. You don't have standing. <laughs> I hope you don't. <laughs> No, we're walking in love with one another, right? But I'm just making the point. That's the way you have to, before God, you have to have standing. And according to the blood, we do have standing. But you've also got to bring the word 
to the throne of grace. Listen to me. When you come to the throne of grace, take not only scriptures that promise you your need, what, God, what you need, promise you what you're praying about in the word of God. Don't only bring scriptures that promise you your need being met, but bring scriptures about righteousness. Because this accuser of the brethren is going to come say, oh, you're guilty. You can't stand before God. He's going to bring shame. He's going to bring up your past. He's going to bring condemnation. And here's, what I, here's what I, the word I like. He's going to bring sin consciousness. And try to get, he's going to try to undermine your boldness about your standing in the presence of God. But you've got to answer those things. Remember Jesus in Luke 4, every time Satan said something, he answered and said unto, it, unto him, it is written. That's how you fight the good fight of faith. That's spiritual battle right there. But it's not so much, against, it, yes, in one sense it is, but in one way, it's not so much, against, it's not so much Satan against the, the Lord, although in one sense it is, but it's the truth against lies and the lies opposing him in, in standing in the truth. So every time Satan brought up something, Jesus answered it with, it is written. Well, if you don't know what's written, you're at a disadvantage at the throne of grace. That's what this church, okay, that's what this church is going to be all about. Getting those things in you that make you victorious over the devil and having the answer whenever he comes. So that you can say, it is written. Including when he brings condemnation. When he says you're not worthy and you've messed up so bad God doesn't love you anymore. And you can't be used of God. You can't, be, you can't stand up here and, and lead the, the praise and worship because you did this and you did that. Listen, if all of us were going to receive from God or be used of God because of our righteousness, ain't none of us going to be receiving anything from God. Not today, not tomorrow, not next week. <laughs> But we're not being used because we're all that in a bag of chips. <laughs> we're not being used. We're not being blessed because we've done everything right. We're being blessed because the blood has cleansed us from what we did wrong. And because he did everything right. And we've accepted that into our life. And so now we come boldly. Praise the Lord. Come boldly to the throne of grace. That you may do what? That you may obtain. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So this, this accuser of the brethren is trying to keep you from doing that. And uh, it takes bold faith to obtain and to receive. And it takes that uh, uh, to continue to answer what the enemy is trying to say to you. And so um, the, uh, the thing I want to look at, let's look at some basic righteousness facts here before we go tonight. Um, look, uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty four. Um, while you're going there, I'll, I'll make reference to some things in the scriptures. You're going to 1 Corinthians 15, 34. The Bible says, God made, this is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, I believe. God made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be what? Made, made the righteousness of God in Christ. That's right. Okay, let me ask you a question. Who's, who's, we're made the righteousness of who? God's, 
We're made the righteousness of God. Okay, let me ask you a question. Are you ever going to be any more righteous than that? No. So there is no higher righteousness. You're the right, at the new birth, you're the made the righteousness of God in Christ. You, you didn't earn that. You didn't work your way up to that. Made is another word for created. We're a new creation in Christ. When we were created, I don't mean, you know, in our mother's womb, but I mean when we were recreated, our spirits were reborn. That new man is righteous. He's not a sinner anymore. Don't say I'm an old sinner saved by grace. I mean, that's a contradiction of terms. You're one or the other. No such thing as an old sinner saved by grace. You are made the righteousness. You were an old sinner. We'll, we'll all acknowledge that, just like me. <laughs> but now we're no longer an old sinner. You know, somebody said, oh, you know, from, from years past or whatever, come up and said, oh, man, it's been a long time, haven't seen you. Man, remember all those things we did? And you could, like, you could really scripturally look at them and say, I didn't do that. Oh, yeah, you did. I was there. I saw you. I, I remember whenever the police came after you. You know, you just... <laughs> But see, what you're saying is the man that did that died. The new man, the the born again human spirit, he's a new creation and he's created, Ephesians says, in righteousness and true holiness. You didn't earn that. You were made that. You were created that way. Oh, my, my, my. So you were made the righteousness of God in Christ. And then in Romans, I'm going to go here with you to this verse in a minute that I had you turn to, but Romans 5.17, you're familiar with it. It says that, uh, talking about really the new birth, it says that we, they that have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through one Jesus Christ. So that's the effect righteousness has on you. It gives you the ability to reign. Let me say it this way, the effect of, we'll get into some verses in a moment, the effect of being established in it and having revelation of it. Um, but the thing I want to point out there is that he mentioned the, it's a gift. Romans 5, 17. They, they received a bunch of grace in the gift. The gift. You don't earn a gift. It's just given freely. And it's an insult to somebody if they give you a gift, say, oh, let me pay for that. No, 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 it's a gift, it's free. So your righteousness, your standing before God was free, a free gift. No earning, just receiving. Just in saying thank you. So, okay, with that in mind, look here at 2 Corinthians chapter number uh, 13, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 13. No, what did I say? 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Then he said, awake to righteousness. And sin not. You know, that's exactly the opposite of the way many times you hear clean living preached. It's preached, stop sinning and be righteous. Or, or wake up to the fact you're... No, no, he said, wake up to the fact you're righteous. And when you know who you are, you won't sin. Awake. Now, notice he didn't say, become righteous. He said, wake up to the fact. A guy that's sleeping, you can be uh, doing things around him, you know. (laughs) You can be, uh, 
in the living room doing something, making noise or whatever, and he's totally unaware of it. Right? But that's what he's saying here. He didn't say become righteous. He said, wake up to the fact you're righteous. Become aware of your righteousness. Satan wants to keep you unaware of your right standing with God. What is righteousness? It's the ability to stand before God as if sin never existed. As if you had never done anything wrong. You know, a baby's born. Uh, you might have a family member that has a baby. And, and you, you never look at that baby and say, he's so cute. But my, all, all the things he's done in the past. Huh? We're laughing because he has no past. When you're born again, you have no past. And when, listen, even after you're born again and you did something and you got it cleaned up through the blood, you have no past. Yeah. I remember one time I was asking the Lord, I was, (laughs) you know, we think our minds are renewed. We're all in the process, aren't we? But I remember I was asking, I had, I had been unkind to somebody. Uh, The second mistake I've made in my life. (laughs) But I wasn't very kind. And so I went to him and I said, I am so sorry. I I was wrong. Nobody should ever be spoken to that way. And I just had to get it right. You know, if you're looking for a church that has a perfect pastor, just keep right on moving, right? Just keep right on going. But I do have the blood applied, amen? Amen. So I said, that was unkind, and I I asked them to forgive me. And they, you know, they they didn't do it real easily, you know. But, you know, I did what I needed to do. So anyway, later on, I think it was the next day, they sort of brought it up again. And I said... I'm, I, like I said, I'm so sorry. No one ever should be spoken to that way. And, and I was repentive. And, and, uh, but I'm standing there because I had gotten it right. I got it right with them. I, I acknowledged that I was wrong. So forth. And then I went and told the Lord, Lord, forgive me. I, 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 know I wasn't right. And I need to be humble before you and, and not grieve the Holy Ghost like that. And so, but anyway, I, 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 this person brought it up again. And I said, you're right. I was so, so, so wrong, you know. I... I you know, I should, nobody should treat anybody like that. And I went through it again. But I'm standing there thinking, I'm trying to remember what I said. I'm trying to remember what I said. I've got to remember what I said because I don't want to ever say things like that again. And I couldn't remember it. So later I went back. I was getting ready to go somewhere. And I was saying, Lord, help me. I'm used to, when I'm, when, when I'm trying to remember something up here, I'm used to dipping. Yeah. I mean, down in my spirit and getting my answer. Because yes. I've got someone there that brings all things to my remembrance. Exactly. Yes. So I went back there, I was getting ready, and I said, dip down, and I said, Lord, remind me what I said, because I don't ever want to say things like that again. I want to be right about things. And uh, I, I, I'm used to dipping down and getting my answer. Seriously, I'm used to that. I've, I've had things I lost, couldn't find them. And I dipped, and I said, Lord, where is it? And he says, right over there. I go over there, right there it is. I thought, I looked there three times. He is such a helper. But I got no answer. I'm not used to not getting an answer. And I got distracted, got busy, getting ready to go, then I remembered it again. I said, Lord, help me remember. What? And I did that three times. And, and, and I, said, I said, Lord, you're not helping me remember. And he said, how am I supposed to help you remember something I forgot? We think our minds are renewed. Yeah. Yeah. So good, it says in Isaiah, thy sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. So you have no past. Your, your past is gone. Just like a baby. You look at a baby. And 
has no past. This has to sink in. That's why I'm just letting it sink. Just taking the time. Let it sink. But he said here, wake to righteousness. So a man can be born again and be made the righteousness of God, yet he's still under a cloud of oppression called sin consciousness and condemnation because he's still listening to the accusing voice of the enemy. He hasn't woke up yet to the fact that he's been made the righteousness of God. Am I making any sense tonight? What that will do is undermine your effectiveness in prayer. Because James 5.16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. And other verses says, Come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain. There's many other verses. He connects righteousness with effective praying. So you and I, I got to begin to wrap this up. But you and I can be, you and I really don't grow in righteousness. You don't grow in righteousness. You grow in your revelation of it. And the benefits of it, as you, such as, you know, Ephesians chapter number 6 there. Putting on the armor of God, being able to stand before God in prayer and, and obtaining. Um, you need to get these scriptures about righteousness in you before you go out against the darkness. Because these things, it's like a, a, our military, when uh, an enemy army comes against our military, that's not when they hand the gun, our, our, our commanders, our, our leaders, hand the guns to the military and say, here, shoot. No. They, those people, those soldiers have become accustomed to those guns. They're used to it. They know how to use them. They, they, they shoot them. They know how, they know how every, every part works. They know how to tear them apart and put them back together again. They know how to clean them. They know how to uh, store them. They know yeah. what every part does. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And they're used to it. They know how it feels when it kicks. and the, the, They get them real used to it. That's what you want to do before you go out against the enemy. You need to get real used to righteousness. Yeah. Real, real skillful with it. Because you don't want to be learning in a battle. I mean, you're in a battle with... Our, our military guys in a battle with a war, uh, an enemy army, they can't say, where's the trigger? Where's the, where's, which end is up, you know? <laughs> so um, practice taking this protective shield of righteousness up before you and practice saying what the Word says when your feelings feel something else. Does that make sense? Because the enemy, your flesh has feelings, but the enemy will try to reinforce those feelings. And he will bring thoughts. That's what these accusations come in the form of. They come in the form of thoughts against your mind. And that's what uh, you have to answer those thoughts with the word. That's why we want to all get the word of God on the inside of us. All right, now, here in Hebrews 3, we're looking at some truths about righteousness. We're not going to take a lot more time here. Hebrews um, actually, Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5. Thank God for the blood. All of us can receive boldly because of the blood, can't we? Hebrews 5.13. This verse, I'm just going to mention one phrase here. Uh, well, let me turn over to it. I'll, I'll read the whole verse. 
<clears throat> Hebrews chapter number 5, verse number 13. This is right in the middle of a lot of uh, talking about growing up spiritually. He said, everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. So you don't become more righteous, but you can become more skillful with the word of righteousness. Okay, let's talk about the word of righteousness. What what is the word of righteousness? Um, The Bible says in Romans 1, 16 and 17, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. Remember the Jew first and also to the Greek. To everyone that believeth. And then uh, it says there that uh, for therein is the righteousness in the gospel is the righteousness of God, not yours. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. Mine's as filthy rags. Mm -hmm. That the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel from faith to faith. Notice, not more righteous from faith to faith, but more revealed to us. From faith to faith. You don't become more righteous, but you can get more revelation of righteousness. And therefore, be more skilled in using that word against the enemy. I'm glad you got through the introduction tonight's service. This is I'm just now getting to what I wanted to get to. But I wanted you to see this term. You can become more skillful with the word of righteousness. Now, he calls it there uh, in Romans 1, he calls it the gospel. The gospel has the revelation of righteousness, or let's put it this way, the righteousness of God. It has that revelation in it. So, but but let's phrase it this way. The gospel is a message. It's it's God's message or his word to us. The message, the message is where the victory is. People want to, let's fight the devil. Okay, get a hold of the message that you have as weapons. And the message that helps you take that shield of, I mean, that uh, uh, breastplate of righteousness. That's why it's important where you go to church. Because you aren't going to always, I'm not... I don't know who's doing what, so I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just saying, you're not going to know. I'm sure it's like here, like it's, like it's in Cedar Rapids. Not every place is going to have the message of the real, true message of righteousness or the gospel. They might have pieces of it, but pieces of it are like having pieces of armor. If you only have one part of the armor, that's not going to be enough. So he said here, uh, you can become skillful with the word of righteousness. Skillful with the message, you could say. You, in other words, you do like Jesus in the garden. He's, he knew exactly how to say, it is written. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And he opposed those, remember Ephesians says, fiery darts yes. of the enemy. They come against your thought life. They come against your, your mind, your body, your, your, your life and your family and so forth. And so... He said you can become skillful in this. Now let's go to, let's, we've got to wrap this up. So go over with me to a couple of verses. Second uh, Timothy 3.16 real quickly. I don't know what time I started. But uh, we'll be not take much longer here. Second Timothy 3.16. All scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for what? Instruction in righteousness instruction. We need to be instructed in righteousness. 
Paul said the Jews, went up, being ignorant of God's righteousness, went about to establish their own righteousness. We're not to be instructed in our own righteousness other than to know it's filthy rags. That's right. But to be instructed in the righteousness of God. Yes. I'll take that kind. <laughs> and I have that kind. You have that kind through if you're born again. So... That, that, I like that term, instructed in righteousness. I read it this way, educated or schooled or trained, both in my mind and my spirit, in righteousness. In other words, I soak in it, I saturate, it in it, I saturate myself in it, my thinking in it, I marinate my spirit in it, I marinate my mind in it, until all the truths of that reality sink in. And my spirit is educated in it. And when the devil comes to say something other, like unworthy, you're guilty or whatever, my mind and my spirit is so saturated and schooled and and I like to say marinated because that kind of means it soaks in. It's so so marinated in the truth of God's word that the other things can't get in. It's like, it's like you, uh, you got a real strong uh, garden hose putting out water. You try to stuff something in there with that water coming out, it's hard to do that. And when the word is coming out of you and the enemy's trying to stuff something in you, it's hard to get the word in when the, when the word is all, I mean, his, his, his lies, excuse me. It's hard to get his lies in when the word of God, the message of the truth is coming out. Praise God. And that acts like, according to the way Paul wrote it, it acts like a shield. It's a protective force. Uh, you know, uh, I'll go over to two, per- two verses in Isaiah and then we'll wrap this up. Isaiah thirty-two seventeen. Isaiah 32, 17. I'll say it again while you're going there. You'll never be more righteous than the day you were born again. But you can grow in your revelation of it. And you can be more effective and more skillful uh, at operating in its privileges. Including prayer, standing before God and making your request. And you can grow in the fruit of righteousness. And this verse says something very interesting that you can also grow in. Isaiah thirty-two seventeen: the work of righteousness shall be peace. And the effect, oh, so getting the word of righteousness in us is to have an effect on us. The effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Whew, not for a day, not for a moment, forever. So put that verse together with, look over here in Isaiah chapter number 54, verse 14. I want to put these two verses together here. We'll begin to wrap this up. Isaiah 54, 14. This is really where I wanted to get to tonight. But Isaiah 54, 14, in righteousness shalt thou be established. If you back up to the verse before, he mentions all your children shall be taught of the Lord. Well, we certainly apply that to our natural children, but how about all, all God's spiritual children? All of us, really. In righteousness, he said, be taught of the Lord. That's how you get established in something is be taught in it. Like we have a pilot here. We're training up a pilot, getting an aircraft so we can fly between the churches. Uh, and he's becoming taught in aviation. I've been watching him fly. He's just, he's amazing the things he's know, he knows and he's got a grace on him to do it. Well, he's, skill, he's becoming more skilled because he's being taught and he's becoming established in how to fly. 
all the, yes. the, the, the ways to fly, all the important things you need to know. It's right. amazing how much you need to know. I have a lot more respect now for these pilots when I get on a plane and have to come at the airlines. I, I almost salute them when I walk in because I've been around him learning about all. Man, there's a lot of stuff to know. Yeah. I mean, if you want to live to tomorrow. <laughs> and I do. I do. Praise the Lord. I got things to do for God. But, but in righteousness shalt thou be established. Why? Because you're taught. You need to know the word of God, in other words. Thou shalt be far from oppression. Woo! That means that accusing voice, that harassing voice of guilty, 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 unworthy, and all that sin consciousness. You can be so far from that that you, you, those things are just not a part of your life anymore. Far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Wow. So put those two verses together, that with here this uh, chapter 32 of Isaiah, the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect. Underline the word, word work and effect. This, this established in righteousness has an effect on you. Yes. yes. You no longer approach God as a guilty worm. You know, you approach him, not, not cocky like in yourself you're something, but in the blood. In what the work of God, what the work of Christ did for you on the cross. Ooh, it makes you hold your head up. Amen. And so being established in it, in it, it means gaining the Bible knowledge of it. And uh, gaining the revelation of it. And it'll, it'll, one translation talks about the purging of the, con- excuse me, not, not a translation. But one Bible commentary talks about the purging of the conscience. Remember the blood of Christ? Uh, the blood of animals didn't purge the conscience, but the blood of Christ purges the conscience, according to Hebrews. That means uh, one, trans- one, one uh, what do you call it, commentary said that that means the replay of the mind. Oh, that means so much to me. Not only will it purge your inward man of any sense of guilt. Remember when I was dipping, I was saying, Lord, what did I do? Remind me of what I said. And it just wasn't in there. That means my spirit had been cleansed of the sense of that guilt. It wasn't even aware of it. How on earth did you get free from that, Pastor Jay? The blood. (laughs) Some things there's no other way out of. Apply the blood. (laughs) Praise God. You can't pray your way out of it, confess your way out of it, or or you just got to get the blood on it, and that gets you out of it. I'm wrapping this up. You're helping me preach, so you're making it difficult to stop, but that's, that's, that's good. So, but the effect, say it, say it has an effect on me. In other words, what is the effect? You'll stop struggling with yourself. Yeah, you'll stop struggling with your past. You'll stop struggling with the sin that you did in the past. And the devil's harassing a replay of the mind. Uh, the struggle is over. Amen. Condemnation points to you in the flesh. Righteousness points to who you are in Christ. That's where we're to be living. We're to be living in who we are in Christ. I had a, 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 well, actually, he's here tonight, a man uh, back here in the back. His uncle, I guess, if you, is it, is there such a thing as a step uncle? But his uncle on his wife's side um, went on to heaven. He was, he was a, he was born again, went on to heaven. But he, um, he, he had been in uh, Vietnam, was it? And 
you know, he had seen a lot of tragic things, a lot of horrific things. From what we're told, that war was horrific. Um, you know, how many of you, we, we ought to, yeah. as much as possible, have peace where we can have peace, you know? Yes. But anyway, this particular man, he was traumatized by that. All the things he had seen, and I guess maybe participated in, he never talked about it, but whatever. But he got saved and, uh, you know, became a child of God through faith in the blood of Jesus. But he never really did what we were, what we're talking about tonight. He never got the scriptures in him. He never got his mind renewed. He never got the, the washing of the water of the word. He never got the revelation of his righteousness. And uh, he was oppressed. He was, he was on medications and I guess they have terms for it, post-traumatic. There's, there's terms for it, you know. And, uh, but, but they were helping him and so forth. <clears throat> Thank God for help. But how many of you know there's actually more than help for us? There's victory over these things. So he, was, uh, <clears throat> he, was, he lived till the end of his life very kind of vexed and tormented. And, uh, and died of a heart attack. I don't know how old he was. 50s or 60s? 62? Oh, he was that old, but he was uh, he was he was a child of God. Went to heaven. Well, you know, had the funeral and so forth. Uh, but then a number of months later, I believe it was, here in the back, Brother Brian's uh, Brian had a vision and saw. Well, I guess it was a night dream, and saw him sitting on his couch. Nobody was with him, his uncle, when he died, but he saw him sitting on his couch, and saw him slump over. I guess of the heart attack. And saw his body laying there, but his spirit coming up, you know, going up to God. And he came up in a, in a laid down position. But then as he went up, he started going head first and, and going up this way. And Brother Brian saw something on his face. It looked like a mask. And, but the mask it started falling away as he ascended up to God. And Brother Brian just thought it was a mask. Until he kept looking, he, he, as the thing fell away, he's ascending up and this mask is falling away, a light shined on his face. And he, the radiance of the freedom that he was entering into shined off of his face. And the joy of the Lord was on him. But this mask was falling away. He thought, Brian thought it was a mask, but, but as it fell away, it sort of twisted around and where Brian could see it and on the back of it, it was like a mirror or, or like, you know, a TV screen, like a TV screen. And on the TV screen, we're playing in loop, like in replay over and over again, all the traumatic things that happened over Vietnam, all the things that people had done him wrong, all the things that were vexing his mind and oppressing his mind, just playing on loop, just going over and over and over again. And... Brother Brian looked at it and thought, that's, that's strange. What is that? And he noticed off the side of it were a little something moving. And he said, as the thing moved, he realized that's not just a, like a mechanism of some kind of technology. That is a demon. Yeah, right. yeah. That thing has hands. It was actually a demon. High hands and legs. He could see it in the spirit in that dream. It was a demon. Just replaying. Yeah. Just re- reminding him again, reminding him again, reminding him again, yeah. and just vexing his emotions, vexing him. And that's why he was on all those medications. Oh, we got to get the message to people. We got to get the message to people. And, 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 uh, but thank God, aren't you glad when he went up to heaven, he was free from all that. But here's the point. 
We thank God for that. We thank God for that freedom. But yet on the other hand, I don't want to wait till I die to be free from the vexing, tormenting, replaying of all my past and all my guilt and all the things that I've, I'm, ashamed, I'm ashamed of. I can be free from that right now through the Word of God and taking the sword of the Spirit, taking the, the breastplate of righteousness and say, it is written. Hallelujah. And you can do the same thing. We believe in prayer. We believe in laying on of hands. We believe in casting out devils. We do it all. Yet right on the other hand, what are you going to do after that? Whenever he comes back and he says, yeah, but you're guilty. Yeah, well, you're going to have to have something to resist him with. And the word of righteousness will keep you free. Amen. Stand with me to your feet. I have enjoyed the service tonight. Praise God for the truth. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God. Let me tell you, they're mightier than anything Satan's throwing at you. I'll tell you that. There is nothing Satan throws at you that is greater than God's greatest weapon against it. You have no reason to be afraid of the devil. Never be impressed with the devil. Be impressed with the weapons. Be impressed with the truth. Be impressed with the power of the greater one. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Father, we lift our hands tonight. Oh, so grateful for the truth of your word. It is light to us. It's our victory. It's our answer. It's our freedom. We find the truth and these truths set us free, make us free. Father, teach us to use these truths against what comes against our minds. There's not a one of us in here. Satan doesn't try to bring the past up. And he doesn't try to harass us. But we're so grateful. So grateful for the truths we've heard tonight thank you they're our victory they're our answer they're, they, they make freedom available right down here in this life right now thank you Father for that thank you Father for the, for the weapons of our warfare thank you for the, the shield of faith thank you for the breastplate of righteousness the truth of the sword of the spirit in the name of Jesus I want, if you've been dealing with attacks against your mind, I want you to put your hand on your mind where you, where you stand right now. There's no shame. There's no guilt for these things. All of us have been under attack in one, one area or another, one time or another. And just, just put both hands up there on your head and say, Father God. Say it out loud. Say, Father God. I think we ought to all say it just to help encourage those that are really needing this tonight. Say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the right standing that I have with you because of the blood of Jesus. And I thank you that I can take the word of truth, the word of righteousness, and answer the devil's attacks. I come against you, Satan, with the word of the Lord. I am free from my past. The blood has made me free. The blood speaks of my freedom. I say I'm not guilty anymore. I say what the blood says. I say I am, my past is gone. I am free from sin consciousness. The blood has made me free. And I take authority 
over the devil and his attacks against my mind. Satan, leave me right now. Take your thoughts. Gather up your suggestions and get out of my life. For I've been made free by the blood. The past is gone because of the blood. In the name of Jesus, lift both hands and just rejoice because the word is true. We rejoice because the word is true. The, the truth that we have embraced, it makes us free from the condemning voice of the enemy. We praise you tonight for it, Father. I say, Father, every person that's been under attack, I come in agreement with them in my faith. I say, I, I, I stand with them and I say, Satan is bound. I say they're free in the name of Jesus. And I say that accusing voice has, has, has now, the blood is being applied to that accuser. It's erasing that loop recording that keeps going through their mind. I agree with the blood. I agree with their faith. And I say that'll never harass them another day of their life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We give you the praise. Hello, this is Pastor Debbie Eberly. It's so good to have you on our broadcast today. If you've been blessed by this ministry, we want to invite you to be a partner with us. We have Facebook at Eberly Ministries and also YouTube at Eberly Ministries. And be sure to like and share those with others. Our heart is to bring you into encounters with God, to empower you to always be victorious with the spirit of faith. Amen. Our website at eberlyministries.org has different resources. One is the online archives. We have the Jim Vault, and it's an online repository of free audios, teachings. We have the Spirit of Faith Bible Training Center. If you just want to grow in faith or you've been called into the fivefold ministry, that would be a rich resource for you. The Faith to Faith blog, it's a powerful devotional uh, teaching by Pastor Jay and also online Spirit of Faith bookstore. Uh, if you're just interested in our products, our books, our CDs, our scripture CDs with music background, you can avail yourself of those. Uh, if you have a testimony or you need prayer, please use the contact form and message us and we'll rejoice with your testimonies and we'll pray for you. Amen. Uh, so we're so thankful for what God is doing on the earth today and through Jabberly Ministries. And on behalf of Pastor Jay and the staff and the JM and Spirit of Faith family, we say thank you for all you do for the kingdom of God. God bless you.